you have to kind of come up with a list of non-negotiables, right? So yes, it could be a ton of different things you could think about beyond the salary, but then also narrow it down to what is really important to you. What are some things that you absolutely have to have in an offer and start there? And then everything else would just be extra. Welcome to You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. You are ambitious in life and in your career, but something is missing. You want to bring more of your passion to what you do, because let's be honest, you pour a ton into your work and it needs to mean more. I'm your host, Laura Eigel. I'm a mom, wife, PhD, coach, advocate, introvert, and indoor rowing fanatic. I'm passionate about living a life that's in line with my values. We'll give you the actionable tips and tools you need to lead with your values, make a difference, and have career success. The world needs more diversity and authenticity in the top jobs at organizations. Your leadership belongs there. You belong in the C-suite. You may have heard me say this before, and it's a little controversial. I don't believe in work-life balance. I believe in prioritizing what matters most and building boundaries that you can actually keep. As women, we are socialized to bypass our boundaries at every turn, in our personal lives, with our families, and especially at work. It started for me early in school, getting good grades, going above and beyond, making myself available, being stuck doing all the work on that group project, so it isn't that big of a surprise that it followed me into my career. Does that sound familiar? For years, we've been told to lean in, push through, show up. Living up to the expectations of others, plus your own high standards is a lot. So you push through, you get it all done, but you can't do that forever. Not unless you wanna burn out. I'm inviting you to our live virtual workshop, Boundaries Before Burnout. In this two-session workshop on August 24th and 29th, learn how to build a boundary that will help you prioritize what matters most. Set up a system that will enable you to keep that boundary, especially on the hard days when you're pulled into 10,000 different directions and get the clarity of knowing what to say yes and no to and the peace of mind of knowing you made the right decision. We are a judgment-free zone here, but I will hold space to keep you accountable. Register for the Boundaries Before Burnout Workshop at thecatchgroup.com slash workshop. That's thecatchgroup.com slash workshop. I cannot wait to see you there. Welcome to this week's episode of the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. Today, I'm excited to talk to Madeline Mendoza, and we are talking negotiation. A native New Yorker, Madeline Mendoza is a first-generation Dominican-American career coach and HR professional. Growing up in Queens, Madeline's communities were rich in diversity, instilling in her a passion to build a more diverse and inclusive world. Today, her career coaching business helps women of color land their dream senior and executive jobs that connect to their strengths and values. In her day job, she's an HR business partner at Paramount and has over seven years of HR experience. She's earned her MS in HR management and development and is currently enrolled in an executive coaching certification program at NYU. We talked about so many things about what's holding us back from negotiating, the importance of pay transparency. We talked about the different things you can negotiate beyond salary 
and how to negotiate as an external candidate, as well as an internal candidate, and the importance of LinkedIn. I cannot wait for you to hear this episode. Let's get started. Well, I want to welcome you to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. Really excited. Well, I would love it if you could tell the audience a little bit more about yourself and your story. I am the CEO and founder of MM Career Coach, which really is a a passion project of mine. It, It packages all of the wonderful things of my life, my upbringing, what I believe in, coupled with my years of experience in HR and recruitment. So all of that to say is uh, my business services, women of color in their pursuit of finding and landing their dream senior and executive level roles, all with the intention of helping them get to these top business levels of corporate America, where we want to see more representation of, of people from marginalized groups, right? I feel like there's a real need and and hunger to see more representation at those levels, especially since it's so important these people make these decisions that greatly impact so many communities and employees. So my business really helps these women and, and, and in their pursuit of these roles through finding jobs that are aligned with their values and their strengths, helps them navigate the job search with strategy and intention, gives them the confidence and clarity to really get to that bottom line of of finding this job. So I am myself a first generation Dominican American career woman. I work in HR, I'm an HR business partner, and I have over seven years of experience in recruitment. So I really bring my talents and skills to my business and all with the intention, like I said, of, of bringing these women of color up to the top of this corporate ladder. So it's, it's things I'm very excited about, passionate about, and yeah, I'm just bringing it to the world. I love it. And that's why we hit it off so well when we first met <laughs> several yeah. months ago. And and we have some of those same passions. And we know that, you know, more, you know, women of color need to be in these jobs to be making these decisions that affect so many people. And to get more people in those jobs, I'd love to start digging into some of the tactics. And specifically today, we're going to talk and kind of peel back the onion on negotiation. Does that sound good? Yeah, that's a very important topic in this space. So yes, let's start there. Let's start there. So first, let's start with what what mistakes do you see leaders make when they are negotiating? And I'd love to talk about when, when, when we traditionally think about negotiating for a job, it's usually like as an external candidate, right? But I'd love to talk kind of both because there still is room for negotiation as you get a promotion and or different things. And so first, let's talk kind of external. If you're talking to get into a new organization, what mistakes do you see leaders make in that space? I think this really plays nicely into the issue of the gender wage gap, right? And, and getting women of color into these positions. And it a lot of the mistakes stems from a lot of psychological boundaries or obstacles that women of color just through their upbringing, the the messaging from society, all of that telling them or making them feel uncomfortable in this space of negotiation. So a lot of that starts from that place of hesitancy, not wanting to come off as difficult, not wanting the other person across the table to feel uncomfortable. And, And all of that, I mean, is just crap, like should be thrown out the window. Men do not 
show up in that space with any of those feelings. So women of color should be empowered to show up in the space of negotiation and have these conversations naturally, because it is, after all, an expected part of the hiring process, whether you're an external candidate or an internal one. So both spaces, you are almost expected to negotiate, and it's in your best interest to do so. And the person across the room or across the table would even want you to, because it shows that there's an element of you that has that confidence to kind of back up yourself and your values and what you bring to the table, right? That kind of ties with what what messaging and what you bring to the conversation. So from that point of view, in terms of the mistakes, I think it really starts from that mental blockage and a lot of just what we're taught from an early age as women of color. So I think the mistakes really start there. Yeah, that mindset and the what we've been taught our whole lives. I love what you said before. It's expected, like the recruiter on the other end, the hiring manager on the other end, they're expecting mm-hmm. to negotiate. And so what happens when a candidate doesn't as a recruiter? What was that? What has that been like? I'm sure that's happened. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, from a recruiting recruiting standpoint, there's it's a few things that are kind of going on. So first and foremost, it's a win for the company, like right off the bat, right? I mean, they end up being in the winning position because they don't have to sacrifice any of their budgeting and they most likely than not came in on the lower end of their of their salary. So they really end up winning in that scenario, right? So it's, it's that feeling of like, okay, great. This is great from a recruiting standpoint. But also there is kind of this now impression of like, well, can this person negotiate for us, you know, in these higher level positions, you're now going to be part of the organization. You're going to be in a leadership role. Can you handle these kind of conversations? There's also now a little bit of doubt happening and it could really set you up in a much more, I don't want to say just negative, but it's, it kind of hinders you a little bit as you're kind of starting this journey, you want to show powerfully. So the way to do that is really using your voice because you're going to have to do that as a leader regardless. So why not start where it matters most and where you are the most impacted in that decision? I love that. We talked about mistakes first. So basically the, the, the mental aspect, if folks are negotiating and they're still not quite getting it right, what have you seen there in terms of mistakes? If you're, if like you're starting to negotiate. I would say the biggest the biggest tool or resource that anyone could do for themselves is coming in prepared. And what I mean by that is really making sure you're doing market research and assessing that with what you bring as a uniquely as a candidate as well. So there's what the market's paying, but it's also what you bring to the table in terms of your talents, your skills. So really being strategic in that. So the mistake being a lot of candidates might not do the, the heavy lifting of preparing themselves for these conversations, understanding what is in the market and and really going for the higher end of these salary ranges due to fear they won't hit those hit those numbers when in reality there's a lot of room in the budget and you're just you're just not going for it, right? So I think I think the preparation key is very very important and I do see candidates not taking that extra step of preparing themselves from early in the interview process, right? Like when you know you're going to do a job search, start preparing right then and there so that when these salary negotiations happen, you're much more prepared and ready to have that conversation. You talked about the wage gap, um, which we all know we're making very slow progress to address. But I'd also love to talk about pay transparency. 
I've been seeing a little bit more on LinkedIn in certain states. There's legislation um, regarding pay transparency, but we are not all there yet. Are you seeing more companies talk about salary upfront? Are you seeing candidates asking more upfront about it so they don't get so far down the process that it's not a big surprise at the end? Can, you, can we talk about that a little bit? Yes, I definitely am seeing a shift for the better, I feel. I think with these pay transparency laws, I think they will help with this gender wage gap. Um, I don't think it's the, the end all be all. I don't think it's an absolute because I feel sometimes companies with even with their ranges, they could be very, a very wide range. And, and also it's kind of questions as well, like is the range appropriate or in line with the, what the market is, right? So I wouldn't absolutely say it's, it's the solution, but it's definitely towards step in the right direction. So what I'm definitely noticing is recruiters, myself included, as I'm also interviewing candidates for roles in my company and other recruiters that I know, compensation is now being brought earlier in the conversation. So that's another thing that candidates have to think about and navigate as well. Salary ranges being brought at the beginning of the recruitment cycle doesn't necessarily mean you could no longer negotiate at the end just because you kind of agreed to a range or said that the range is in line. Because at the end of the day, even if that conversation is brought at the beginning, you still don't know the job, you don't know the details, you don't know who the team is, you don't have that information. So you could agree to a salary range, you could have that on the job posting, that's a great start. But it does, still doesn't mean that you shouldn't and, and wouldn't negotiate towards the end and even go outside of their salary ranges. So I think that's another important thing for candidates to keep in mind. They might fall into the trap of saying, oh, well, I agreed to the salary range at the beginning, so I can't really negotiate or stay. I have to stay within that range. And that's not necessarily true. Um, information is power. Data is powerful. So, again, doing that research and knowing more about the job, the position, and what you bring to the table are elements that always have to be considered. But these pay transparency laws are definitely a step in the right direction, I think. I love that you just called that out because I am I am a rule follower. And if I know, like, set up expectations in the front, here's the range. And then, you know, maybe I find out more about the job. I might still be really interested, but I know it's like, it's going to be pushing the, the higher end. And that's where I might start questioning myself and like create almost like a role. Like, well, I can't go above it because I already agreed to it. Right. Yeah. And that would be going against my word. So I love that you are challenging that assumption because that is totally something that sounds like kind of early career Laura would totally do. Yeah. And I think, again, like this goes back to the psyche of women of color. Like we, for some reason, just the way either society or upbringing, whatever it is, now that thinking could be, well, well, now I can't like have to stay in the box now. You know, they gave me a range and oh, like, and I, I don't, I would encourage candidates not to fall into that trap either. You really just have to make that assessment for yourself. The range could be great. And it actually is in line. Like once you learn about the job, it's like, oh, this makes sense. Like, yes, this is, this all lines up great. In that scenario, that's perfect. But if there's a scenario where you go through the recruitment cycle and you start to kind of wonder and, and kind of question that range in, a, in response to what you received 
and information of the job, the company and everything else, you are in a position to ask those questions and to kind of challenge that a little bit for yourself. You are after all your own advocate in the recruitment process and you alone are the only one who could speak up for yourself. That is so true. Let's say that again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You alone are your own advocate through this process. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So in terms of salary negotiation, that's what we've been talking about so far, but it feels like there's other things that could be put on the table. Can we talk about like, what other things should we be talking about in terms of in terms of negotiation beyond salary, you know, especially as we think about executives, there's a lot of really great benefits. We have, you know, long-term investments, incentives, we have bonuses, we have vacation, we have lots of different things, right? Vesting early, like what other, like what, what kinds of things have you seen be negotiable, I guess? beyond salary. And and that's really awesome that you brought that up because I think I I kind of say this, I feel like salary negotiation is a misleading term because it's not just a salary. It's, it's the job offer. The job offer, it's more than just a salary. The salary is just a starting point. So uh, let's say uh, everything goes well and you feel good about the salary. You, you negotiate a little bit on, on the initial job offer. Great. But now there's even more room for you to think about what other elements are at the, on the table. And you kind of name the, of, great examples already. Some companies do like a sign-on or yearly bonus is that could be negotiable. Maybe you are, or I highly encourage you to think about professional development and tuition reimbursement. If, you know, I, I'm a firm believer of being a continuous learner. If you are in a leadership role, you should hundred percent be thinking about your professional development and you are always in a space of learning. So having funding for those activities, that could be negotiable as well. You know, we are now working remotely. So if you have a home office and you might want to do some upgrades, maybe there's funding for that. Maybe they could give you some company equipment, double monitors, like really set you up nicely, little things like that. And it, it, it could even even go to what your job title is, what your work hours are, how many, like, are you off on the weekends? Like, what are your boundaries in terms of that? And other, other things as well that you could consider if you have children, you know, if you need childcare costs or if you have aging parents or any kind of care for an individual, there's reimbursement and, and funding available for that as well that could be negotiated. So really, I think that there's, it's a cool thing to think about. I think you could get a little bit of creative, ask that questions, be curious and explore what the options are. And, you know, just nothing is off the table. There's so many things that I want to dig into. First, you had mentioned salary is just a part of it. It is a part of total compensation. And I think there, there's even a mindset shift there as we grow our careers, that salaries end all be all. And really sometimes, you know, salary is just, you know, that's just your baseline, right? It's baseline and you can earn a lot more with, you know, like you said, sign-on bonus plus annual bonus plus. Sometimes there's stock options as well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Stock options. And potentially if you work for different kinds of companies, Some of those might be programs that, you know, aren't negotiable, but some of them might be. There are a lot of, you know, Fortune 500, Fortune 1000 companies 
that can, you know, change some of those terms, like increased percentage on annual bonus, increased vesting, like all of those kinds of things. But even this idea and kind of shift in thinking about salaries and all be all to the shift of what is my total compensation package? I think it's a huge mindset shift as we go from kind of mid-level manager to executive that takes a little while to think about and to get into that space. Absolutely. And what I encourage my clients when I work with them and and even for myself, you have to kind of come up with a list of non-negotiables, right? So yes, it could be a ton of different things you could think about beyond the salary, but then also narrow it down to what is really important to you. What are some things that you absolutely have to have in an offer and start there? And then everything else would just be extra. So if you do have children, maybe that's a non-negotiable for you. Or if you have aging parents, or if you um, if you need to relocate and you need re- relocation fees or whatever your situation is. And you, sh- you could also think of it as where are you currently in your job and what are the benefits that you currently have? right? So that's also a baseline for you. You kind of don't want to go backwards in the next position. You only want to move forward, but you have, you alone could decide for yourself based on your situation, what are your must-haves and what it is that you are willing to walk away from or be more flexible on. So that's also, I also want to throw that in so that candidates don't get overwhelmed with all the options that there could be. Just be more strategic and intentional when it comes to your job search. I love that idea of um, non-negotiable and it, and it brings me back to something you said a little bit ago of just this idea of boundaries. Like, what do you need? Um, I love this idea of if I've had it here, I'm not going back, not doing that, (laughs) not going back. We're only getting equal or better things in this new opportunity. So I love thinking that around what boundaries do you need to have around your negotiation around the things that you ask for and what are non-negotiables. The other thing that you mentioned a minute ago, um, this idea of professional development, that is, oh my goodness, I love that idea so much. I love professional development. I'm all about it. Take me to a conference or a workshop or let me take some classes, you know, because I think especially as leaders, you have to have to have to continuously develop your craft. You have to be, you know, our world is changing. Innovation is at the forefront. Companies who really hone in on this professional development, it really is a skill and a a, a way of being. Leaders who do that really end up thriving in their spaces. So you know, for women of color entering the spaces. I mean, there's so many challenges that you go through as a woman of color because your peers don't look like you at these levels, right? So you kind of go through those challenges. So you don't, you also don't want to worry about your professional skills and, and, and who you are as a professional. So these developmental activities that you could do is, is only to make you a stronger leader. So companies should have the funding to support those activities. Especially as you get higher in your career at executive level, it is not uncommon to ask those questions. And usually what I see people ask is what are the options available to me that are standard once I join, right? So you get to understand um, what are their leadership programs look like, like all of that kind of stuff. Do they do tuition reimbursement as part of their overall total compensation package and your benefits and those kinds of things? But I love this idea of negotiating it in. And it also then kind of says the intention that you have, right? You want to grow for yourself. You want to grow for them. 
you want to accelerate your growth. And I love the ideas that you had in terms of conference, maybe a certification. I mean, get yourself a transition coach, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the Coaching company, could be part of that too. Yeah. Yeah. The company might be absolutely willing to fit the bill. And even if they don't do it externally, they may think about how do they do that and, um, and give you an internal coach. There's lots of different options available, but, um, but I love this idea of negotiating that in at job offer. It's, I think it says a lot, um, just like you said, like about when are you negotiating? What, what will you negotiate on behalf of the company? Professional development also says something about you too, in terms of, you know, are you that continuous learner and will you do that for you and your team? Exactly. And, and I think that puts it perfectly. You are in a sense, branding yourself already in these conversations, but the fact that you're showing up and negotiating shows who you are as a leader. The fact that you're bringing up specific items like professional development shows who you want to be as a leader. So all of that goes to your branding. And again, it's only in your benefit to, to really speak up and have these conversations. Hey there, Laura here with a quick reminder to check out our Boundaries Before Burnout workshop. If you want to feel renewed energy and focus to put your skill set to work by stepping out of things that are not meant for you and prioritizing your own needs, our two-session workshop on August 24th and 29th can be the pathway for you to get there. Register for the Boundaries Before Burnout workshop at thecatchgroup.com slash workshop. That's thecatchgroup.com slash workshop. Don't reach the point of burnout. Shift your focus to you instead of your next to-do. So um, we're talking about negotiation, but because we're talking about kind of candidate experience and and all that, I cannot not ask you about LinkedIn. So how important is it? What should we be doing there? And especially if there's any tips on this kind of negotiation practice, how does kind of LinkedIn kind of overlap in some of this stuff? LinkedIn has definitely become such a powerful tool. It's definitely grown as a platform over the years. And it is 100% such a, a, a valuable part of the job search process. So I know with my clients, I definitely emphasize LinkedIn a lot, how to optimize it, how to really utilize it to kind of up your game when you are trying to level up in your career. Um, So with LinkedIn, you have to, I kind of like using the metaphor of, of a storefront, right? It's almost like your store. If someone comes to your shop, do you have the quality quality gradients or or products up at the front? Like, are you showing up behind the the register? Like, are you dressed well? Like, do you have that? Like, what does someone experience when they come into your store? Your LinkedIn page is that for recruiters. Recruiters, in a matter of seconds, if you are to connect with someone, if you are to submit a job and a recruiter goes to your page, what are they looking at? What will they see? So consider your LinkedIn page from those eyes and, and figure out like, do you have a captivating headline? Do you have your bio filled in? Do you have your work experience on there with details and metrics and data on your work performance and what you bring as a leader and a, and a, a powerful candidate? Like you're really branding and selling yourself through LinkedIn. So the candidates or job seekers that really utilize LinkedIn in that way find a lot of success and I think it really starts with building relationships, 
um, connecting with companies and, and recruiters at companies whom you want to work for, who you feel aligned with, and who you feel confident and excited to interact with, right? I think that's another part of it too. You want to feel excited to make these ex connections. So when you do have these conversations, you have something to go off of and you feel you know, energized by connecting with them. So LinkedIn, I feel like is, is a powerful, powerful tool, but you've got to be strategic and you really got to utilize every part of it um, to the best of your ability. I love that as the storefront. That's, that's a good yeah. analogy. And how, how can we use it in terms of an aid for negotiation? I feel like if anything, it's a really great way to see kind of pay transparency at some at, you know, in, in the places that there are, uh, are showing it. Are there other ways that that might help in negotiation too? Yeah, I think LinkedIn has that information. I know with, you know, positions in Colorado, for example, I believe they have their pay transparency law in effect. So a Colorado position will have the range already. And, and most ranges don't, if it's within the same company, it's usually within the same kind of range more so. I mean, it really depends on your location, but that's at least a starting point. So LinkedIn definitely has a lot of information that you could use and research and then kind of leverage that when you are entering these conversations and you have an idea of what the range is, I would encourage candidates to kind of stay at the higher end of the range because you don't want to start lower. You want to start higher because again, there could be a back and forth and you want to land somewhere where you feel comfortable. So if you start with a little higher, you could land somewhere where you feel really good in the final offer. So in that way, yeah, I think LinkedIn has a lot of really readily available information. It's just a matter of, of researching and finding it. So we've talked a lot about external going to another company. Are there any other things we haven't talked about in terms of negotiation at your current job that you think would be beneficial for our audience? I think with an internal promotion and that pathway, it's much more personal because the company knows you and you've built a reputation. So I almost want to take a few steps back. Right. So if you are a candidate starting at a company, really think in advance of that, that point where you are up for promotion. So you're always being very strategic with your, with your work partnerships that you have, the people that you interact with. Make sure you have good rapport and a good reputation so that when you are up for promotion and you do have conversations about negotiation, it comes from a place of, well, these are all the things that I've done. This is, you know, this is what the contributions that I've made to the company. And plus, this is the market research that I that I know is out there. So all of that tied in to really set yourself up to have a comfortable and a more easy going and fluid conversation when it comes to an internal promotion. I think folks might feel more hesitant even when you are already at the company because you don't want to come across um in any way, again, going back to what we originally talked about, you don't want to come across as difficult. Women of color, like get into this mindset of like, oh, I just, I want to make sure everything is smooth. And now there's this almost sense of loyalty because you are already part of the company. So you have to put all of that aside and think of it as a fresh slate, rely on all the things and the little, the reputation, the, the, the projects that you put out there, you're up for a promotion for a reason. And have the confidence to, to, to like back up what it is that you're asking for. So don't be afraid to shoot for the top, even in, in, within a promotion is pretty much the message I want to put out there. 
And this is if you're going to be considered. I think there's a couple of things too that, you know, what if you aren't sure how to be considered um, that we could talk about? So in my experience, just knowing and understanding how promotions happen at an organization is just like half the battle is just understanding, okay, how does it work here? And one of the best things that you can do is get to know your human resources business partner so yeah. they can be your advocate in all kinds of ways. So first that they know you, they know yes. who you are, they know your performance and you've, you know, you've put in some time to build that relationship because you, you never know when you'll need your human resources business partner. Mm-hmm. And when you need them, it's usually, you know, one of those things, it's like too late to build that. It's not that they won't help you. It's just that they don't know you as well as they could have to help you yeah. when you know, so I'd love to dig in there a bit. How, you know, you, you and resources business partner, and you've had that experience. Is that in your experience been helpful to advocate for employees? Absolutely. I think visibility in the company is going to be so important. And, and, and again, um, to the benefit of when you are up for a promotion, you want to make sure you have had that visibility and you've built this relationship so that folks know what you've been doing, your work ethic, what you bring to the table. And so, Leaning into your HR business partner, that's our role as well in terms of performance management, talent management. That's part of the process. I think candidates should take take the wheel on that, right? Like, don't rely on anyone to do that but yourself. And one of the, uh, like, something I could offer, advice I could offer is, at the start of any job, get a copy of your job description, right? You're, you, have, you want your job, you want your job description that lists out at that point in time, everything you're responsible for. And over time, as you start to see your role evolve, develop, you're taking on new projects, new tasks, those are indicators that you may be ready and in line for promotion because now you're taking on a lot more. And here is the proof because I have my job description and I've been I've been documenting and outlining the change that has been happening. So that's something uh, an employee could do for themselves and really take ownership of that. Because if you're going to wait for your HR partner to do that, it's definitely in our jobs to oversee all of that. But most HR business partners at companies, like we see a client group, like, right. We don't work with just the one person. We have a, a group of folks. So having that relationship, like it's up to you to nurture that relationship and it's up to you to track that progress for yourself. And then when you have these conversations of like, look, I think I'm ready for a promotion. I'd like to have this conversation and here's why. And again, data doesn't lie. You could really outline what you've been doing, lean into your supervisor, your manager as well, and have these conversations. This should come up in your performance reviews, which happen on an annual basis, but you should also be meeting with your manager either monthly or even weekly. I would challenge it. Like it should be a weekly conversation. And again, you are just constantly nurturing this line of communication between all of these folks. You're right. Like business partners have a whole huge client group, but the ones that, you know, the people in that client group that actually, there's like usually a handful (laughs) that are really savvy. And then they have like a, they just have touch bases with you or they bring you to coffee or you connect on something. You might volunteer for something that's HR related, um, whatever it might be, just to keep connecting with HR, I think is just a, a huge benefit to employees. And then knowing the, the cycle, like, so at certain companies, they do promotions maybe twice a year. 
And exactly. it's really hard to get them out of cycle. It's not impossible, but you're a lot more likely to do it. And to get it in that cycle, it takes several months, right? Exactly. To say, hey, this is what we need to do to get visibility, to get approval, to, you know, talk to all the people we need to talk to, to set it up, to do a job evaluation, all the little steps. And so, like you said, those um, meetings with manager and HR are really important to check in, especially when you think you are ready and knowing what that process is and what it looks like. Yeah, that's excellent that you bring that up. It really is like planting a seed. That's what you're doing. And by you bringing it up, you're planting that seed and it will take some time and every company is different. And if you are excited and feel aligned with the company, I think it's worth waiting it out. And, and again, just continuously having that conversation, continuously proving, you know, why it is that you are ready for promotion and just letting that, you know, that, that plant grow, right? (laughs) As cheesy as that sounds, it really just is about kind of going with the flow of the process and, and just showing up consistently so that when that day does come, you're, you're full blown ready for that. Yeah, I think it's a it's a misnomer that sometimes we think, hey, we have to have this really big like presentation or this huge meeting right. to like prove that we're ready for a promotion. And often it happens over multiple meetings, over lots of time to your point, like having consistent performance and then saying, "Hey, I am ready. Do you agree?" And then setting you yourself up for all of those conversations with manager, maybe second level manager with HR, getting it into the process, getting it approved, all of that kind of thing. So I, I think it's like you said, it's a, a seed that's planted. And along the way, there's parts that you can try to negotiate and build that case as that seed starts to grow. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So um, in terms of internal negotiation. If you're having these regular conversations, if you have the, a really great relationship with, with HR business partner and manager, are you finding with an internal, usually it's like potentially a a salary increase. Is there much room for negotiating other things at this point, since you're already internal with the company? I think it still remains the case. Things are still on, they're back on the table, right? So you are now at a point where you're kind of renegotiating the offer and the package in its entirety. Maybe you've have had experience in your position where you've noticed or realized that maybe the kind of funding that you get for a particular, like let's just use example of professional development. Maybe the funding that you originally had in your first job offer is now no longer enough. Maybe you're now stepping into a new position with more responsibilities. It's, it's you know the next level in your career and you actually need more funding to support your professional development activities. So that's an example. And that could be applicable to any part Part of the offer. Standard items in the package, right? So like benefits and, and all of these core benefits that employees across the board gets, those might not be negotiable. But even so, it's just a matter of having a conversation and, and aligning that with what the new position is going to look like and what's, what support are you going to need heading into this job. So I wouldn't go in, shut down, or with the impression that you, you could only negotiate salary. You could really be creative even at that point. I love that. What support do you need to be successful in this job? I love that as a really great criteria. And those are the things that you negotiate. And I love that question at any time. I think, I think this idea of um, negotiation at these really big points in 
job offer promotion. Like I, I wish that we had kind of, uh, given ourselves more permission to negotiate kind of any time. Yeah. And you know, what's some companies do this really well. And that's, that's again, another excellent point, Laura. So that's another piece is that what you knew at the beginning could evolve and change during the life cycle of your employment there. So companies have like employee resource groups or like I've worked at companies where it's like, it's kind of just like an advocacy kind of uh, committee. And so people, employees come together and they raise issues or they raise things that they need, right? The pandemic is an excellent example. The pandemic shifted so much for so many people. You now need new benefits and new flexibility. And so there could be a a resource within the company that you could join and and voice your, your concerns or your ideas, your suggestions. And so that committee can bring it to the company leadership and they can make changes throughout your your time there. So that's an option. And the other option is just having the conversation with your manager, like just one-on-one to say, hey, this is my own personal situation. This is, or my work situation, whatever it is that you need to tie that in, explain where it's come from, the reasoning behind it. If there's any data and metrics that you could provide to support your argument or whatever it is that you're proposing, having that conversation with your manager. And so you're absolutely right. You don't have to wait for this big, moment and it's like okay here we go like let's negotiate you could really do that at any point as long as it makes sense and it and you have kind of something to back it up with to really put yourself in that position of of getting what you need i love that i find that there are certain times of year that might be most beneficial even in the budget planning process so as your as your team and manager are budgeting the next year a really great time to have the ask. So it's in the plan, right? So I love that idea for team development, for personal development, for conferences, for certification, for software, for anything that you might need. Know when budgets happen. So you can ask then. There's always some kind of group that's doing these, whether it's an action planning group, sometimes Mm -hmm. it's a culture Mm -hmm. committee, some kind of something are you plugged into that group? First of all, do you know if there is one? Because there probably is either an employee resource group to your point or some kind of culture, or sometimes it comes after organizational survey, action planning, that kind of thing. Like who are the employees that are plugged into those initiatives? And do you have relationships with them? And if you don't, those are really great people to know and to be connected to because they know how it works and they can incorporate your ideas and feedback. Um, And then the other time, I think end of year, I always find whatever the end of your fiscal year is, we always say we never have any money, but at the end of the year, there's always a little bit of money. There's always money that we're trying to spend so that we can get the money next year too. So end of year around December, if you are on a year in like a a regular fiscal year, a calendar, yeah, a calendar year. Yeah. Then, um, then ask then too. Mm -hmm. Exactly. These are excellent points for sure. I feel like employees, and that's, that's the thing, right? Like you have to take this initiative and do this kind of research. Even someone listening to this podcast, like you are equipped with so much information you're much more empowered now and so just going back to like my my business mission is just that women of color and and our communities we're not aware of these we don't grow up talking about workplace benefits and negotiation and all these things you kind of learn that as you 
kind of go through your career journey. So I am all about sharing this information, empowering employees to have these conversations and know that it's a, a natural and expected part of the employee life cycle. Yeah, because guess what? Other people are asking. Yeah. And it's, it's, there's no harm in asking, like mm-hmm. just ask, put yourself out there. If you don't ask the answer is going to be no, right? <laughs> That's right. That's absolutely right. Well, I have enjoyed our conversation so yes. much. <laughs> I, I want to ask you, you know, what's, I love actionable things. So I'm going to ask you if you're a candidate right now, what's the best thing that you can do to prepare for negotiating? Yeah. I'm so if you did listen to this and you reached this point of the episode, I really want you to reflect on a lot of the things that we mentioned in this, in this conversation. And you have to figure out for yourself, like, what is, what does your non-negotiable list look like? So that when you do have this conversation and you're ready to negotiate the salary and beyond, what are some things that you absolutely need to feel excited, ready, and energized to start your job? right? Like that's where it stems from. You need to have this conversation because if you don't, you're going to start this job on a bad footing. You're not going to feel good. You want to feel empowered. And so that's an action step that I've, anyone listening could do. Just take some time, plug it into your calendar. If you need to, if you're super busy, like take half an hour, an hour, really brainstorm what it is that you need in a position. What are the benefits? What's the salary? And more specifically, be super clear and intentional on what are the jobs that you're gunning for and what are the companies, who are the companies that you want to work for, right? So it's all about strategy. It's all about clarity and it's all about confidence. And all of that stems from preparation and research. And it all ties back to you, who you are authentically and what matters to you as an individual. So yeah, that's what I would say. And I want to know how we should connect with you if we want to connect with you on LinkedIn or if we want to work with you. Tell, tell me more. Yeah. So first and foremost, LinkedIn, absolutely connect with me on LinkedIn. So I'm under my name, Madeline Rosario Mendoza. I'm also on Instagram um, under my business name, MM Career Coach. So I'm always putting out content around these topics and just the job search in general. So follow me to get that content. And Also within my business, I have a 90-day career coaching program. It's a group program with individualized coaching built into it. So you get the best of both worlds, I would say. Um, And it's a small group, just around five women, women of color. If you are looking to get support in your job search, whether you're going to now or in the near future preparing for it, my program covers kind of the A to Z, right? Like the career planning, job search strategy, optimizing your LinkedIn, salary negotiations, resume and interview prepping, building up your confidence and your executive mindset. Um, and all of that also thinking about what your 30 days in the jobs will look like and coming up with a plan for that as well. So my program really meets all of these points and I meet my clients where they are. So whatever your need is, I'll support you through that journey. So my 90 day career coaching program um, right now, I have the next cohort to begin around the end of August, early September. And if you would like to sign up for that and have a discovery session with me to just make sure that it's a right fit for you, just go to my website. So it's www.mmcareercoach.com. And you could scroll down and find my discovery session form, submit the form, submit your information, and then it will book a session to meet with me. And we could really discuss if the program is right for you. I love it. 
Thank you so much for Thank all you. of your valuable insight, really just having this conversation to educate others on the things that we should be doing to advocate for ourselves. Yes. I really, really loved everything. I feel like, man, I, if I were someone listening into this episode, I would bookmark this. Like we just dropped a lot of gems for you guys. So I'm hopeful that this was something people could really latch onto and, and hope, hoping that it helps them in their negotiation conversations. Thank you so much. I want to thank you so much for listening to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. If you are enjoying this content, please remember to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. By leaving a review, you are helping others find this content. We will be featuring five-star reviews on air in upcoming episodes. Editing and support for the podcast is done by S&E Podcast Management. To get more tips and tools to help you live a life guided by your values, go to thecatchgroup.com. Keep your boundaries and take care.